guests here with me today we decided to come live just so we can well we can let you all see our awesome awesome faces that we just have for you today um but i'm super excited about um speaking with anthony and then actually wise you've been on my show before so i'm sure some of you know some of the people remember remember you yes, being on. but yes so you're a you're a you're a repeater here so we're happy to have you back um so I guess I'm, I'm going to just jump in, Anthony, and you have written a book, which I'm going to let you kind of introduce a little bit about the book and maybe briefly just kind of, I mean, don't give any like spoilers or anything, but give us just a little bit of an idea about what it's about. Well, the book, the title of the book is uh, The Plush Life. And uh, plush is like emphasize that like they stand, it represents peace, love, unity, success, and happiness. So, and it, the subtitle is From Prison to Peace. So a lot of people think I'm talking about like the actual prison. But it's more of just the pr prison of your, uh, your environment. Like things that you grow up, everybody has a, a time in life where they grow up with whatever the environment gives you and you got to figure it out. And then as you realize certain things as lies and truths, and as you get older and stuff like that, then you just come to, a, so it's more, it was more of a self-help for me, I would consider it. Like I, I people ask me philosophy, if, if I had to give it a real fancy title, but, uh, <laughs> It was just, uh, it's just uh, sharing that, like there's different routes. Sometimes you just gotta absorb blame. You gotta get rid of just blaming people. Absolutely. Like once, as you once you know better, then can you really blame somebody for your decision? Like I just, I just as a young child, I just learned that blaming got gets nobody nowhere. <laughs> you know, it just—it's it, a lot of weight that was holding me back as a growing up. Well, I think that a lot of people can probably really recognize what you're saying because I think you're completely right. And until you just said that, um, I thought you were talking about an actual prison too. <laughs> so I'm glad that you mentioned that because I think that we all, no matter you know, kind of how you grew up, where you grew up, we all on some level have experienced a prison of our mind from our environment. And, you know, I think that there's a, a lot of us that if we're not careful, we, we still find ourselves there because, you know, there's only one thing that we control in our own lives and that's how we react to something. So, you know, I think that if we know that, that can be super empowering because at that point, nothing can really control us if we are controlling how we react to any situation, whether good or bad. So I, I love that. What in, what inspired you to write that book? Being in prison. Can you, can you elaborate on, on, on that? Uh, right before I went to prison, things was going good. I did stop selling. I like did stop my street life stuff. I, I wasn't really act, active in the streets, mm -hmm. but I still had friends that I still communicated with. So as I started getting my little painting beside company going and everything, got my oldest son back into my life and then as soon as you try to go good you get yanked back and when i, when I went to prison I, that's all i could think about was just wow like the first time that i actually was not doing nothing i still had to be held accountable for something that i did that was recorded so it was like, wow, I could blame this person. I could blame that person who told on me, who like, I could have went through that whole cycle, which I did for like a brief minute, got my anger. Oh, I, when I see this person, I, and then it was just like, 
that's the excuse yeah. you're going to tell your son. Like, that's what you're going to tell your son. Like, hey, he did this. I'm in here because he did this. And it was just at that point where I just started reflecting on like a lot of choices I made as a kid. So it's really a lot of not being like, everybody could say, oh, I came from a poor family, but I had a family and they was a supportive family. So it's not that you don't, even though you're poor, you don't feel as poor as somebody that has just nobody but their mother, father, and no support. Mm -hmm. So I just started reflecting on things like how I could have been a better person or if I'd have chose this, if I'd have said no to this, I might have not looked cool at that point, but I might have been able to do this. So it was a lot of, it was like more, before this mental health thing became so, I actually think that I just was dealing with some mental things that I just had to like address and be honest with. And I, I, I was able to be honest. So that was why I could put it out as a book. And it all started as like a, I realized my son wasn't getting my letters and he was young. And I knew that I didn't believe that he, the letters was even being read to him as a child. So it was like a diary, like me writing to my son the blueprint on how to be a better person, how not to blame. So it was more, that's how it all started. It was like, if, if I'm facing all this time and I actually have to do all this time, what do I want him to know? Not just what the streets say about me. Who am I? Like, who's your father? When somebody say, who's your father? You should be able to say more than, oh, he's the, he was the guy in the street. Like, so it was just about what I thought people how I wanted people to view me, even though I made a lot of bad choices. I chose the wrong side of the street a lot of times. And well, and I think a lot of people have, whether it was something that ended up putting them in prison or something that ended up, you know, leading to a divorce or something that ended up going, there's, there's so yeah. many things that goes on. And I know you mentioned, you know, grew up in a poor family. I grew up in a super poor family. Um, and I'm, I'm talking like sometimes hunt for our food poor, like that poor. Um, so, you know, I, I remember thinking about that as a younger child on how many things that I didn't have. I didn't have this. I couldn't do this. It, I looked at it all as negatives. But since I've become older, a lot of those things I realized in some ways were positives. Um, now, I made lots of bad choices in my life, too. Don't even get me started. But like there, the, during those bad choices, a lot of those were painful. Right. And I was like, oh, crap, that hurts. So you learn if you allow yourself, you learn from that. I think that is so important to kind of recognize and realize because making a mistake is just kind of part of the human experience. It really is. But where we really kind of kick our path to learn and grow from that and make better choices and not only make better choices, but not hide from our bad choices. Right. Because, you know, and that's one thing I've even tried to do with my own kids is, you know, I, I let them know the bad choices I made. And I, instead of hiding it, like a lot of parents tend to do. And the reason that I do that is because they're more likely to learn from it. If I say, hey, this is what happened. This really sucked. This is why I'm saying that. Not because I'm just saying it, right? Yeah, I, I tend to, uh, I think it's just tough love. I think it's just accepting, being able to accept tough love. Yeah, And, and then... It still goes to like knowing, I know who I could turn to. That at one point I didn't know, I, I didn't believe I could turn to anybody. I know there's somebody I can reach out to to talk to about this. I know there's somebody, whether I choose to and like take that step, that's where the choice comes where you own your own decision. Like that's when you can't blame nobody. That's the choice that you have now. You, you know everything. Yeah, you and all of us came up somehow, but the choice you made to get where you are, the choice I made and wise made because we really lived together for so long to get to where we are, those are still choices that you have to accept the past to move to even get to this point to where you even feel comfortable talking to people about your personal life. Absolutely. Well, what was that moment that made you realize that you wanted to talk about your personal life? Because for a lot of people, that's that's terrifying, right? The idea that they have to talk about something, especially something that's not good. Like it's real easy to talk about something good you did, right? But some of that was like, yeah, this wasn't so great. Like, what made you decide that you needed to do that? Uh, there was a lot of losses I, that occurred while I was in prison. 
a lot, a lot. Like every time, like I think I could count on one hand and that's me not really thinking hard. How many losses I, this person passed, this person. So it was just like, yeah, this, who am I? Who am I? Like the person that always been a creator, but scared to create. Cause I'm worried about what everybody else is thinking about that. The, the ideas I come up with to create and then other people's opinions and, and naysayers and lack of support people wait. It was, they was weighing in on me being the person I am today. I just, it's just, yeah, you just learn yourself. It's just nice to reflect. I think I like, I'm a big advocate now of therapy. I think some, I like, I would, you have to, it has to be the right person. You might not find the right person, but I mean, I, you have to play around until you find somebody you feel you could really be honest with and know that this is where it stays. And that is nice. Like, I ain't gonna lie. I will not kid you. Not That was probably like the best in and out experience. Cause I dealt with the, the third, the counselor in prison and then out of prison. and. It was just good to actually just be able to just like be honest when they ask a question and not try to like, what am I hiding? Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you hiding? And that it just not wanting to be forgotten. I think it was like, you don't want to forget. I don't want never going to forget my father. And I didn't want my kids or my kid at the time to forget his father. Well, so it was just a lot of really that was like my rock bottom, the real one, not the one that everybody cry about, a real rock bottom that actually wakes you up and make you look at all your decisions and who you really hurt and how many people you affect and even with your bad decisions. So it was a lot. And I'm older. That, that definitely helps. We, we tend to get wiser as we get older and we look back and we're like, oh, yeah, I did this to myself. This sucked. So, I mean, and you mentioned therapy and I'm glad you brought that up. Um, because for a lot of people, if you didn't grow up in the world where you talked about your problems, that could be so uncomfortable just to trust somebody to be able to talk about everything with and not hold back, like you mentioned. But I feel like, um, that it seems to be harder for a lot of men to step out. Um, I'm not a man, obviously I'm a woman, so I can't stay from my own perspective, but I can tell you from my husband's standpoint, my husband had to hit rock bottom and then some before he stepped out and got help with his PTSD because he was military. It took a lot. Um, and I've seen that with other men in my life that it seems to be so hard for men to step out and admit that they need to talk to somebody because they're afraid it may be of looking weak. I don't really know. Cause like I said, I'm, I'm coming from just experiencing another. Can you, can you maybe share a little bit about, you know, why, why you felt it took you so long to be able to talk to somebody? I could definitely say it's like uh it's like back in the days when people used to ride the yellow bus and everybody was scared to get on the yellow bus because everybody thought they would judge you because you was the one on the yellow bus. So going at from from a from coming up in a uh environment where therapy and talking to people is not every like that's not even something promoted, advertised, anything to just talk to somebody, it's somebody you could go and talk to and they and be completely honest. It's like a verbal diary. And it takes a lot. It took me a lot because at first I thought all like I thought everything was textbook. I used to think, well, my prison experiences let me believe that these these uh people you talk to and that they want you to confide in them are just textbook people that don't even understand what you're going through. And then that out, out in the free world, once you outside, now when I go and I'm encountering somebody that's in that field, it's a different, you you could just know if you could confide in a person. And it's it's all, and then not, well, I, I gave, been gave up on her, caring what people think. So, but for most men, it's just a perception. And then they make you pay for it. So a lot of people ain't yeah. gonna pay to talk. To, to, and then, <laughs> that's what I wish they would just, that therapy, I believe everybody needs. 
like anybody in America, oh, I agree. anybody born in this country, raised in this country, needs a little therapy. Somebody could, it should be like really free. Cause especially with the way things are like all the violence and everything. Like everybody needs somebody they could just, even if it's just taking a people and taking them to a gun range and let them talk to you while they shoot the gun in the yeah. gun range. Like there has to be some, some, some more uh, cries for like therapy as much as everything else they cry for. No, I, I would agree with you. And I mean, I think that the more people that step up and say, Hey, I go to therapy and this has been the best thing for me. You know, I, I feel like that opens it up to where other people feel more comfortable and confident, you know, to be able to do the same thing. And, you know, I, I think it's great that, you know, you have written this book and you're talking about a lot of your experiences, even from the level of going, and I love therapy. I needed to go to therapy. I've gone to therapy. It's helped me so much because you never know who's listening and watching and saying, hey, you know, he's, he's, you know, grown up in an environment like I have. He's made some of the mistakes that I have and he therapy helps him. So, you know, maybe it'll help me type of thing. I, you know, I, I, I love to hear that because I do think even though there's lots of people that have, you know, I guess concerns with going to therapy, it does seem to be a lot more men tend to have, you know, um, I guess that, that hold back of like, well, I don't want to, you know, seem weak. So I think the more men that are stepping up saying, well, I go, you know, <laughs> better. Um, and I can tell you from a female standpoint, I have never looked at a man that goes to therapy and be like, well, you are weak. That is not what happens. That To me, that's a stronger man, right? So, I mean, I think that's some things that need to be brought up and, you know, talked about. And I'm, I'm you know, so glad that you're, you know, you're doing that. It's amazing. Um, I do want to ask also, during this process, I guess, of, of realizing, you know, that you needed to kind of change your mindset, you know, realizing that you wanted to leave this different legacy for your, your son, for yourself, for your family, you know, and, and deciding to write this book, what's been something during this process that's maybe surprised you the most? How much people don't believe it. Like how many, how, I think that surprises me the most, because I speak how I speak now. And I, I, I think that's a, it's key to speak and and and, you're, and, lead, and back your act your words up. So I speak this this change every day. Anybody who knows me know I'm talking about acquiring some land, ownership. Like anybody who knows me, that's all we <clears throat> that's all we talk about. And I think because I think it's not cool. I think people just don't think it's cool to try that and put really like sacrifice, like sacrifice holidays, sacrifice clothes shopping, sacrifice anything that I really would love to do that I haven't done since COVID started. Like sacrifice, like really be on my knuckles and knees trying to figure stuff out. And when people see me, they see me on the podcast. So they think I'm, this is like, I'm I'm good. I'm dressed nice. My house, I got a nice background. I'm good. There's no, oh, he's full of it. And then, and you don't, and there's nothing to show nobody. So I think it's just disbelief from people that I, but I got used to that therapy that I don't have no expectations for nobody. And that's why I used to tell why I don't, I'm not doing this for the numbers. I'm not doing this for the views or the likes. So I don't have to get out of character. I don't have to accept nothing that I don't want to accept. This is oh, this is my therapy because I don't have the therapist is very expensive. So this is my therapy now. And wise always clarifies that when I start yelling to people and people be like, "What's wrong?" And I'm like, "Nah, this is my therapy. And this is what I and I ain't have to yell at my therapist, but the stories I would I could tell her I can't say on the podcast. Absolutely. So I got it. So I, I just go go hard on. Yes. You know, yeah. you know, we're not doing our show right now, so you don't have to like there's no <laughs> reason for you to read it. Well, it's okay that That's they fine. know, they know I read it too. I'm not gonna I'm not but, gonna mess up nobody's you know, name. Now you know I what know. it is though? <laughs> Being especially in the black and brown communities, especially when we were growing up, we, we were we was born in the seventies, raised in the eighties and nineties. And so we were always taught men don't cry. We were always taught men don't men don't show their emotions. But is it we've 
in a way we were blessed because we were raised by women. We had our we we had he had we had my brothers and and his father and uncles and all that, but for the most part we were raised by by my mom and my sister, and so we were kind of already in that mode of we knew about sharing emotions and 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 being open and all that, but again the society itself it was front it was like you don't you're a man you don't cry you don't show you don't show your emotions you don't show that that you care about whatever you have to be strong and for us now to be able to to sh- to to show that yes we we've gone to therapy we've we sought the help that we needed because everyone everyone goes through through situations and in life and like with me i was widowed at 31 and so for many years i was self-destructive and to be able to go out and seek the help that that i did seek it, it, it just and to be able to, to be able to speak on it it just allows other men at least closer to me in my age to be like wow they went and they sought the help that they needed it's okay it's no it's not it's nothing wrong with you going out and seeking help absolutely i shock people people all the time because i'm hood so until so when they see me and then i start talking they be like you don't fit the description of somebody that thinks like that. Well, and I think that's that. Uh, I mean, I think that's key, though. I was getting ready to say, like, about stereotypes. I think, you know, there's so many stereotypes on how a man should act, and and I think we accidentally do that even to children, right? I don't think anybody sets out to to you know mess a kid up by saying things, but you know. Where there's these stereotypes that, you know, boys are tough and they go out and do this, that, and the other, and girls are emotional. And, you know, really humans are emotional, right? Humans are emotional beings. And, you know, these ideas that we come up with these sayings, like, you know, man up, you know, act like a man and all those kind of things. What the heck does that even mean? You know, because, you know, we should all be able to be free to show emotions when we feel emotions, right? And I think the idea that, you know, some people, feel that they have to hold those emotions in. I think that could be the most destructive thing that there can be because that causes so many, you know, downfall spiral effects. If we don't actually recognize and feel the emotions that we're feeling, I think that can be one of the most dangerous things, you know, even with, you know, I I love being optimistic and I love, (laughs) you know, like happiness and I love all that stuff. Right. But I think there's a side of it also that says, if you don't recognize that today sucks, right? Today, I don't feel happy. I don't feel positive. Today just just blows. If you don't recognize and own up to those feelings, how can you really be positive and optimistic? I mean, you might be able to fake it, but you're not going to really feel it unless you can recognize that there is the yin and the yang, right? There is the days that no matter how positive and an optimistic person you are, that are just going to be so hard. And you have to be able to be able to say that without feeling like somebody's judging you for it. And, you know, I think that that's the reason I even brought up, you know, you know, men and therapy and stuff. I've, I've seen that just in society as a whole. And, and likewise, you mentioned, I've also heard people um, specify that it's even, you know, harder stereotypically um, with men in the black and brown community, that there's almost more of a stigma in that community to go to therapy than there is in other communities. And I think that that you know, books like this and you all speaking about these things, I think is amazing because it's, again, it's, it's letting other people know that, yeah, some people may feel like that, but not everybody feels like that. And I think it's so important. Yeah. So wise, I know we've not asked you any questions, but, um, but well, cause we, we're really here to, I'm here to support him yeah. and I just didn't want you to feel left out. So. Oh no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm good. It's, it's, you know what it is? It's because um, he's been he's been my number one supporter, my number one fan, and so I just I just do the same for him. It's like he's my nephew. Yes, that's my brother's son. But we were raised more like brothers. I'm saying he was raised by my mom, and we lived for, like you said, we lived together for many years, and so since we're so close in age, he's more my brother than anything else. And so 
if like he knows any, any like anytime I have idea and I and I shoot it to him, he's like, all right, let's do it. And so when he was like, yo, I want to publish, he already had released a book. And he was like, yo, I want to, I got this other book I want to release. Well, let's do it. And so I was like, all right, let's do this. We 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 got a ghostwriter. She helped us really organize the book. And so. Yeah, because the book was way different than that. Way. Yeah, so, so she really helped us really to, to really. She Me. took out a lot of people's names. <laughs> That's probably a good idea. Yeah, really good. Yeah, but, I was um, very honest. I was, I was, I was reflecting. Like, and on September the 13th. <laughs> yeah, oh, I got But to be able, like I said, but to be able to um, support him in any way that I can, it, it, it's, and, it, and you know what it is? It's, we've always, we were brought up, like, it's family. It's always family. We always take care of family. And and that's just how we were raised. It, it's, it didn't matter what that person did to you; they're always family, and you always have their back. Well, most and of them, most most of them. most of them most of them yes most of them. It's not lying to the people. It's not, it's not. <laughs> for the most for the most part most. Well, of them. There, the there's most, always yeah. outside. Yeah, there's a few. There's a few. Let me correct it. My thing is family. People put now. You got to realize there's family and there's relatives. Oh, so you can't. So as long as you don't. My relatives is my relatives. And most relatives are the ones that talk behind your back or try to outdo you for no reason, think they're in the fashion. Like, those are relatives. Family don't do that. And that's just the way I look at things now. So I'm wrong. He's right. Family. Well, I mean, I think you're both right on that. And I like that you pointed that out because, you know, there are definitely situations that are very toxic that, you know, can be a relative or a family member or you know whatnot but i think the way that you're defining it on family and relatives i think kind of paints a bigger picture um i, I know uh, why you mentioned that um you know you're his number one fan and he's your number one fan and i and i love that and i love that you mentioned the idea of support um and i don't care which one of you or both of you can answer this but how important do you think like a support system is to someone, not only someone that is, you know, trying to do something like write a book or whatever, but also somebody who's trying to come out of that, that prison mindset, whether it's an actual prison or it's just the prison mindset. How important do you think having a good support system is? I think it's, it's I think it's like crucial. I think it's really crucial that you have a support system. I really, I think it's crucial that people that like to say they support show support better like i think that uh this like this this world look at what's going on the world is so like it's open like all creators anybody to create why not empower somebody else to create something that's not even in your lane just be a part of the creation like enjoy watching somebody come up and just supporting them and i think a lot of a lot of as a young child, you don't, once you start giving up and people supporting you, really don't look at your actions fear to always go in a negative, you, you lose more of your morals. Cause now you realize, oh, they don't care anyway. So I'm gonna just do wild out or I'm gonna do this or I choose this. So, and feeling, being knowing that you support it feels great. Like, even if it's a little people, I just want people to understand that it don't gotta be t- the, the number doesn't matter as long as you can look at your hand and say yes at least at least have a handful of good support even if it's and that's the, that's who you you talk to most of us tell our problems to our, the person that we be around the most now it's so now you just gotta accept the person giving you some harsh criticism and the per- person being willing to give that hard criticism but we always talk about our problems it's that baffles me that people are scared of therapy because we all at a bar when you're drunk, when you cheat. Oh, I used to bartend. I can tell you. <laughs> when, a, when a guy is when a guy is cheating with a woman, he tells this stranger everything about his wife. Like why? Because that's his therapy. He just ain't getting nothing back. He he just feels happy telling. We always talk. His men is just puzzled, uh, confused people. 
Well, I, I think humans are. <laughs> I don't even think it's only men. Men are pretty really confused because we make it. We make it confused though. We make <laughs> yeah. it confused because we tell our life to somebody all the time. Yeah. But we won't talk to somebody that will get access the right questions to make us think about what we just said that we thought was a okay. So. But support, it starts with support. It was just me and Wise at the beginning. It was just me and him. Yeah. And that was And it. I think that's enough, though, honestly. Like, I mean, I think, you know, not that having more of a support system isn't amazing, but honestly, you know, and I, I've said this before, like, if you have one, per, just one person who thinks that you can do anything, that can inspire somebody to do everything. Just having one person that thinks you're capable of anything. Yes. And thinks that you do amazing things. Just one person that that creates a momentum. And like you mentioned, you know, that's what's sad a lot of times about, you know, a lot of kids is that sometimes they feel like, you know, they're 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 not valued, right? And I think as parents, it can be hard because as a parent, and I have children, I have seven children, so I feel like I could say this like quite well that, you know, you can be so caught up in you know, trying to make sure that, you know, you're giving your children the things you're supposed to, quote unquote, as a parent, and you're putting the rules out there and you're making these things happen, right? And, you know, putting food on the table and getting them to practice, making sure they're doing their homework, that if you're not careful, you can forget that the most important thing that you can do is to make them feel like there's something, anything that they do that that you think they're the best at, whatever it is. And it, I mean, you can fill in the blank on what that is, but, and, and I don't think, you know, most parents mean to leave that out of the parenting experience. I think we accidentally do that sometimes because we're so focused on what we have to do as a parent, right? It can be super stressful that if we're not careful, we can miss out on the most important thing, which is that just making them feel like they're the best at something. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And and as far as, as um, support is, okay, so we we when we first started like we, we started podcasting then i was like yo let's start a production company his response was all right let's do this and then i was like oh yo let's start a radio station he was like okay let's do this and and we did it and we reached out to family and we were like yo this is what we're trying to do I'm saying this is what we need and we got crickets we got number crickets well, well we still- i didn't expect nothing but crickets <laughs> Let's be, let's be, let's, I told you, I never, I'm a realist now. I am but, consider myself a realist. I don't have no expectation of no one no more. But then as soon as we started doing it and, and people seeing that, yo, they're serious about this, it, it's different now. It's like, wow, y'all really doing this. And so like my wife, she's one of our biggest supporters. She's always like, when she saw that I was doing this and I was serious about it, she backed me 100%. She actually helped us get funding to start the business. And so to have someone support you like that and then have him as well support me as well, that just made me want to go further and go harder because I know I have the support behind me. And at, and at first it was like, like he said, when, when I said we got crickets, we didn't let it phase us. We were like, all right, I don't want to be a part of this. That's cool. We're going to go out and still do our thing and we're going to build this. And, and and when we do blow it up, we, we still not, we're not going to, we're not going to be upset about it. We, we still going to be like, Hey, like we is French. We, yeah. <laughs> we is French. I won't be upset about it. I won't be upset. Either. <laughs> I won't be upset. I won't, I won't I will be upset. Dancing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We're all here, right? <laughs> but, but it's funny because I've made like, the, the networking I've done podcasting, I've made friends that that you that support you so much. Like this community, this podcasting community is amazing because you have people that you just you you've probably just spoken to each other through camera and not really, especially now, not not been in the same room, whatever. But yet, they throw so much support behind you. Um. We, we have our amazing, like, we share a lot of the same friends, and they're amazing. Um, Jeff, Tina, Stacy, everybody, everybody we, 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 we communicate with are amazing people. They're positive people. They're people who are about something. 
And so being able to network with these people and build relationships with them has helped us stay focused and, and, and maintain that, that, that positive mindset about where even though things are going slow, we still know we're on the right path because people are still recognizing us, acknowledging us. They're like, they're seeing that we're out there doing our thing. And we, we might not be quote unquote successful to some people, but to us, we're, we're ahead of where we thought we would be. Growth isn't easy, right? Realistic expectations. Uh, That's just what I want to say is a key thing. Support and realistic expectations. If you don't have realistic expectations, then, and no support, then the outside noise could deter you from doing whatever you're doing. But you have to have real, like we knew that the radio station wasn't going to go nowhere, like through the roof. The first time we, we, yeah. we launched it, we knew that that's a process. Oh, five years. All right, cool. Yeah. Three years. Three years if we work hard enough. Two years if we work super hard. Like I'm saying, like it was not, oh, we tried it. It didn't work in the last six months. Oh, we done and give up. Yeah. You just have to have realistic expectations so that it don't deter you from. I mean, you're supposed to have your hands in a, a bunch of things. I think it should be very diverse. So as and when and being diverse, you have to be patient. So you have to be patient anyway, because yes, they, I know a lot of people love to hear these stories of quote unquote overnight success. I, I have this conversation because I own a, a consulting company, we specialize in marketing, and I have this conversation. I feel like ten times a week with potential clients that those stories that you read are like the business equivalent of winning the lottery. Do they happen every once in a while? Do they typically happen? No. You know, it, it takes a lot of work and a lot of vision and a lot of patience, as you mentioned. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, people will get afraid because it's not happening like overnight and they pull back. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand just about, you know, business ownership or, you know, you know creating something, right? Is that it does take time. It takes patience. And that's not for everybody. That's okay. Um, I, I like that you mentioned Wise about kind of our podcasting community. I love using the podcast community as a, an example because I think, especially in the business world, like I said, in my other world that I you know, tend to have to deal with business owners, there is so much focus on competition, 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 right? And you have to look at competitors to say, okay, well, what are they doing? What do I need to do? What do I not? You know, you can learn from competition. But the idea of actually like being in a competition with another business, I've never got into that. And people have always thought that was so weird in my business world, but I proven over and over and over where that works for me. And it's the same thing in the podcasting world. In the podcasting world, most podcasters seem to automatically get that. It's not a competition. It's so much of a shared vision and an instant support system. And I think that's why once you become a part of the podcasting community, you start to realize, wow, this seems so different. And the reason it seems so different is everybody has a shared vision and everybody is there to learn from each other and to help each other. And, you know, it's, it's refreshing, honestly. I, I mean, I think I, I've learned so much just from that community and being in that community far more than I ever thought that I would have. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of podcasters are the same way. I mean, I got into podcasting because I thought it would, you know, help with, with marketing and with all the kind of, you know, all the things, right. I didn't realize that it would completely like, I, I it would absorb as one of my, my favorite things just because of the community that I get to be. In. Yeah. Cause I definitely was, uh, in the beginning, wise couldn't get me to join a group, nothing. I was like, I'm not joining this group, man. They, they, ain't, they ain't gonna follow us back. It, it's funny. It, it's funny. It's funny, right? Because he used to swear, "I'm not a podcaster. I'm not a podcaster. I'm not a podcaster. I'm a YouTuber. I'm an I'm... So he sat down with Tim on, on Focus on Ford, and 
for some reason, when after that conversation with Tim, he came back and says, Yo, I'm a podcaster. <laughs> I mean, I, Tim, Tim broke it down to me. And I was like, All right. I didn't look at it that way. I thought I was just a YouTuber. It's it's funny. I, if you look at like my bio and stuff, I consider myself an accidental podcaster. I'm literally dubbed the accidental podcaster because anybody that knows me personally know I'm definitely the new project girl. I like I'm like super ADHD and I get an idea and I'm like, oh, let's do that. And so I do it. So I ended up I was doing a speaking engagement. So I told me to start a podcast. I'm like, all right, I'll start a podcast. But I wasn't like, ooh, podcasting is my vision, my dream, my goal, my life at all. I was just doing it as another box to check. And that's what's so funny is I didn't realize how amazing that it was going to be. So it's kind of in the same boat as you, right? That I got into it to check a box, but not realizing that, wow, this is so much of what I was missing just in connection with other people. And, you know, it's, it's been surprising. So, I mean, I love that you kind of experienced that same thing. And I think, I mean, big shout out to Tim for kind of like, I guess, you know, I guess being the, 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 the father of letting you know that um you were a podcaster. That's great. <laughs> he birthed the podcast. Yes. That's amazing. That's that's great. So you have another book in the works or anything? Or? Well, I'm taking it easy. The first book I put out was in 2016. Okay. And that was also, more all these was written in prison. That's how much I reflected in like all areas of my life. So the first book is more of a, it's a working. It's it's got to get reworked. Got to get reworked. It has to get reworked. I put it out ways. just because I just had it. Nobody believed in me. I figured out the most affordable way to stay under like a thousand dollars to put it out. Mm-hmm. Own everything, and I was just like, you know what? Forget everybody. And I took the last of my money and I, I put the first book out. And uh, I didn't have Facebook. I was an anti. I never really had MySpace. I didn't do social media like that. I was anti. Well, you're bringing it way back with MySpace. So, <laughs> yeah. So it was just, I just wrote about, like, the first book is called Confessions of a Man, The Evolution of a Player. All these books can be found on Amazon. Um, the Sex Life. It was my sex life and the pros and cons of being a player. I believe there was a lot of, as many as much fun as a person could say, when you look at the situations and look how it affects the way I, I uh, deal with relationships. Like to this day, I could be, I could, I, I, from that book, as people think I wrote it just to talk and brag, I actually was going through something to figure out like why. I always feel like I just can't be in a relationship or it's never working. And most of the time it's because I couldn't articulate anything. <laughs> but and then it's got my like confessions of like why I wouldn't how I judge women at the time like growing up as a player if I met you in the club this is the way like there was a ceiling to what I would allow if I met you and you was already in the mix of wild girls then there's a ceiling that I that I like I I, I literally walked back and realized that like I just was the nerve of me to be so conceited, <laughs> to be so picky. Like when you think about it, like people wasn't looking at, people look at the book and be like, oh snap, wow, you wrote a lot of, nah, this was helping me for real. Like <laughs> the nerve of me to think that I could just judge a person like that was was baffling. The player, being a player, this is some truths in there. Like this is, these are the rules. Are, like you got to judge people. You got to play them or you got to, play the game or whatever the game is. And the book was just a reflection and it was just like, wow, all that for nothing. Like all that, you could brag about it, but to who on deaf ears? Like it was really for nothing. Like I realized that that was the the end result for me of the book was, ah, could have been so much smarter. (laughs) I mean, do you feel that just kind of talking about the book and I feel like I already know the answer to this question, but do you feel that the reason that you tended to be a player, quote unquote, was that you had tr- like trust issues? Because I, I feel like a lot of people I've met that kind of male and female, right, that, that have been players, it was really because they had so many deep-seated trust issues that they knew if they were just there to check a box again, right, to just get what they were going to get, didn't expect nothing, that 
they couldn't get hurt, right? There was a lot of times where we see that that player, a lot of times as a broken person that has mega trust issues. Do you feel like that was you? I was broken. Uh, I, I, yeah, of course, of course I do. I would be, it would be insane to say I wasn't broken. My, I think it was as a child, my childhood, it was the early childhood, like very early, the part that she didn't put, I don't know if she even put this one in there because this was very detailed. So I'll yeah. keep it as anonymously yeah. as I can. There was a, a time in my life where there was the circumstances were me and a whole bunch of drug addict females that did things for money. Mm-hmm. And all I, I, and now when I, as I did that and look back at it, it was like, that's what I, that's, that's, that was the mark. No matter what color, there was many colors, whites, everything. It was, this was a colorful house. It was very, it was very diverse. Yeah. And they all, as a child, they all did some crazy things for money. And we, as, and there was, there was kids around. So all I see is women doing crazy shit for money. Like money make women do crazy shit. Like that's the process. And then I'm in the, and then I get into selling drugs or being in the street and women do crazy shit for money. (laughs) So it was just, it was just understanding like, wow. Like that's I said, this is a rock bottom. Like, and that, that book was the first book upon my release. Cause I've been home since 2012. No trouble, just working on myself and working with my uncle, and and just and you and sharing my stuff, like my my journey. And this kid, I always thought that as when I decided to make the book, there was gonna be I I did it more for parents, single mothers that got boys, raising boys in the streets, the the actions. There's so many, I was never a mommy's boy because mommy was in the street. And then, so I just, I was just a survivor. My prison started, when I say from prison to peace, like I'm comfortable now. I'm comfortable not having a dollar in my pocket. I still walk tall. I still carry myself like I ain't losing step. Like I'm free. I don't have to look over my shoulders. I ain't got to worry about it when I get pulled. I don't think negative at all. Like I have, when I get pulled over, I'm getting, I'm leaving this pullover, period. That's it. That's, I just, that I don't have nothing. I don't know nothing. And it's just being able to tell, just reflect on like your childhood and accept that it, it, your parents did the best they could with their hand. Their parents did the best they could with the hand they was dealt. And now it's my turn to do the best I can do with the hand I was dealt. And then all you could pray is that your kids do the best thing they can with the hand they was dealt. That is it. It's not blame your, it's not blame nobody. It's just learn from a, a unfortunate circumstances. Like everybody had a, a she played the hand, they played the hand they played, and who am I to judge that hand? You know what I'm saying? So Oh, I do. Well, and, well, and I think that's huge. That. I think that's huge what you're saying because you know, brokenness is contagious, you know, and when you were telling the story about, you know, being a kid and having, you know, women around you that were doing crazy things for money, chances are most of those women, if not all of those women had brokenness, you know, because if you get to a certain point where you're, you, you tell yourself you don't care, right? We can, we can convince ourselves of anything. Yeah. Can. You get to the point you don't care about anything anymore. That is so much brokenness. And I think it's, amazing to kind of again share that stuff because brokenness is contagious and it takes you know one person finally realizing that you have to stand up and start to be the cure to that and it sounds like that's what you've done you know you've stepped out you've you've realized wow this is there there's brokenness here wow there's you know things that have that have gone on in my life and even in my past and you know with my family that you know, there, there's hurts there, there's brokenness there that we can do better and do different. And it's, again, not a blame thing because, you know, you you only know what you know, right? You know, you're and a product of your environment no matter you know, what at the end of the day. Like, yeah. if you grow up in a, the circumstances, of the it's just how you deal with them and being able 
to just, I mean, look, I'm 40. You sound like nine, me. I have to do the about, math all the time. I'm about to be 49 in <laughs> August. I'm about to be 49 in August. So when I wrote the book around 33, I started writing all those manuscripts in 30, at, at 33. So there's a part two to Confessions because that book was extremely long. There, and there's probably, I could probably do something with whatever she didn't use in, in this book. Because that's how much it was yeah. me sharing my stuff. But more, I think most of that other stuff would be better if I just share it. So podcasting was like sharing my, like, it's okay to be different. It's okay to struggle. It's okay. I mean, I don't care what nobody think about anything I've been through. Like, so I'm not affected by anybody's thoughts. You can't even get, as long as you don't touch me, we are a-okay. I could laugh my way down the street. <laughs> I don't, I don't care. I don't, my, so, and when I started to podcast, I knew that I had, that it made sense to, since I already wrote books to just be, completely transparent and it helps i think that's like a, a little niche for me that i ain't afraid to be super transparent oh, that's what i was going to ask because i know for me and my podcasting journey i've talked about things that literally has had my mom call me and be like maria you're on itunes you're on itunes Maria. i'm like i know mom i put it on there on purpose because for me the surprising part of being in the podcasting world was i had a platform that I could be every layer of all the things that I was. And I wasn't just this glossed over version of what society and, you know, being a business owner and all these other things that I was expected to be. I could tell all the sides of things that really made me who I was, the good, bad, and the ugly of it. And that has actually been so therapeutic. Um, and that's what I was going to ask you if, if this has been something that has helped with your, with your continued healing. And also have you noticed that other people are more, open to opening up to you <sighs> people are definitely open to opening up and i and i and that's, that's what i'm saying i'm I, I know how to listen i know how to listen now something that was that meant that the stereotype is men don't know how to listen which is kind of true we we, we we do what we do we hear what we want to hear we don't hear what we want we, whatever but i learn how to listen and not have to always comment but most of the time i don't ever want to comment so i'm like a vent and people just call, contact me and they vent and i it's okay because everybody needs that now even that that's for me that's support yeah you want to get this off your chest listen i ain't doing i'm on a computer listen kick it i put them on speaker me and why i sit there and let them vent and why is a chime in sometimes if it, it's some good vent like, <laughs> if, it's, if, it's a, if it's podcast worthy, we always try to get them to get yeah. on the podcast and yeah. share their story. But people sharing a story is kind of hard, which is- to, I think you have to be ready. Which made me realize that the lane I'm in is for me. Like, that's what made me realize the lane I'm in. Like, I have my doubts. You know, like, this ain't making us millions. It ain't making no bread. This is hard. Like you said, we work it hard. It costs. It's not just, hey, we got- somebody that gave us everything and we're yeah. just sitting here. So, and our, the support is serious and everything else is just like, it's, it's just crucial that everybody just be more mindful to other people. That's it. If you got a second to give a person, if you got a dollar to give a person, you should, a person should feel, we should make people, we should make it okay to say, listen, I'm struggling. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And then that eliminates all the, the racism. If everybody could just be able to just look at one another and, and the person you say it to actually at least give two cents. <laughs> they don't got to give a lot of cents. But just understand you and just let you get that off your chest. Like, yo, I'm struggling. And that that's the support that I think I started, I was able to allow, accept. I didn't know how to accept it at first. I just think people was like, I, that's when people getting misconstrued as feeling pity. It's so easy to think somebody's pitying you instead of just being there and accepting yeah. that, like supporting. So that was, I guess, so, I mean, it's, it took years. <laughs> it took a lot of years and a lot of ups and downs, but 
I think it's just crucial to, especially for like, for me to still be me, still be comfortable in my own skin, still talk the way I feel like talking, still dress the way I want to dress, have the knowledge to understand and articulate better. So now when I be like, yo, kid, go to school, I can actually tell a kid why, da, 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 da. I can articulate to them, get them to understand. So it took years for me to get here. And now at least I know what the, the plans is for moving forward. That's awesome. Um, can Before we end, I know we've been talking for a while now, but before we end, can you let everybody know a little bit about the radio station, about the podcast, about the book? Like where, I know you mentioned with the books, they can find it on Amazon, but that way we can you know, let everybody know where to find everything. And then when this drops onto the podcast, if you're listening now from your favorite podcast platform, you'll be able to find links to everything within the show notes. Okay. Anthony J. Gonzalez. I don't know. Amazon is real picky. I think yeah. all these analytics is crazy. So if you type in plush life, just understand is exactly how it's spelled on the screen. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's and, it'll be in the show notes. Yeah, but, but uh, you can amazing. find you can find the book on uh, Amazon. You can find the book on iBooks, um, Apple Store, or whatever they call it. Uh, okay. Real Wise Radio. We're tightening up some uh, loose ends, but the, you can find the app in Google Play, iTunes, or Apple Store, or whatever they call it. Okay. Uh, you can find most of our shows because we have a few shows on uh, Real Wise TV on YouTube, and you definitely gotta check out Stuck in My Mind podcast with El Jefe down there, who uh, <laughs> does great interviews and has a, a wonderful audio voice that he still ain't through my audio book. But uh, y'all could t- y'all could vote for him to do the audio book. That would help. Add me, add me to the vote. <laughs> we'll get all my kids to vote. <laughs> uh, wise, take over. You know I'm not the best promoter. Uh, well, uh, well, Real Wise Radio is www.realwiseradio.com. Uh, you got the Stuck in My Mind podcast is on all major platforms. We're actually working on a new podcast that uh, me and, and and Anthony will be working on. Um, and that's uh, that's about it. That's what we got right now. Then we have the books, um, obviously on on Amazon and 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 at the Apple Store. But yeah, that's 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 all we have. That's what we're doing right now. We got a couple other things that we're working on. And uh, we're actually heading down to PodFest in 20 days. So we're excited about that because that'll be our first convention. And we're looking forward to the networking. We're actually going to, Jeff DeWoskin is speaking down there. So I I get to speak, I actually get to meet up with Jeff finally. Like we've we've sat down a couple of times to do interviews, but it'll be our first time meeting in person. Uh, JB Ellis is another guy that we'll be meeting down there. It's just, like I said, this community is is amazing. Um, like in December, this December that just passed, we had the uh indie podcast United. We had a great time doing that. Then uh in in March, was it March that we had the women's of, of indie yep, pod? It was in March, yeah. In, in March we had the women women's of uh indie pod, and that was dope. We had a great time doing that. So that. so just being able to work with everybody that we've worked with. And, and build the relationships that we build it. It's just been, it's been a, ple- it's been like a blessing and a pleasure. And we just looking, we're looking forward to the next few years at, to where we can take this and, and, and grow. That's awesome. Well, I've enjoyed our conversation today. I think it's been great. And I'm excited for everybody to go out and get your copy of the book. Um, and I, again, want to go ahead and recognize that I am voting for you to be the voice of the audio book. Um, <laughs> let me know any formal forum I need to fill yeah, out. Yeah, I told her, man. Just I'm get here it for it. it. Yeah, here for it. So um, if you're listening, you can, you know, contact Anthony as well. Let him know that you also vote for why. <laughs> yeah, to, to, yeah um, you can contact yeah. me at That'd be great. Poppy J. 
Seventy three sign Instagram. That'd be great. See, there you go. Let them know. Just be like, oh, why? Shoot him a DM. Yeah, shoot him DM. That'd be great. Make it happen. So, if you are watching this live, we will be back again next Thursday at two p.m. Eastern Standard Time for another episode of Successfully Chaotic. And again, I want to say thank you to Anthony J. Gonzalez and Wise for being my guest today. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Thanks. Bye, everybody. See you later. I'm falling down, I will keep on searching for my highs You can say I lost my mind, I will keep on holding my head high Even if the sky is falling down